0: What's up, folks? It's Ty from Breaker Culture. Hope you're doing well. Uh, today we have a great guest, uh, Chris from Crack and Wax. Crack and Wax has been around really since the beginning of breaking. I feel like um, doing what he calls charity breaks, and it's something that always kind of drew me to what they do. And it's it's just a simple way of saying they they provide a portion of their breaks, um, most of the time, a majority of the portion uh, to specific charities. Um, they use that as a way to. Um, Just kind of bless the different organizations that they like working with and Chris is awesome, man. Him and his wife have a really neat story and they are focused and devoted to what they do. Um, So I think you're going to learn a lot and again, for those that that don't know, these interviews are are meant for you just to get a better, um, more well-rounded view of some of the breakers that you spend money with and kind of off-the-camera type thing, if you will. Um, just different questions and, and opportunities for you to, to hear their story and, and just uh, chat about different things. So for those that are new to the industry, it's a great way to just understand kind of how the, the group breaking space works. And for those that are entering the industry, it's a great way to learn. I mean, there's, these guys have a lot of insight to share and, and uh, are really good at what they do. Uh, so I, ho- I hope you gather some, some different nuggets of truth from these guys and learn a little bit more about different products and just the, the way the group breaking space works. We'd also like to thank our sponsors uh, for this specific episode, InkFrog. InkFrog is the single most important tool that I have ever used when it comes to listing things on eBay uh, or synchronizing things from my websites to eBay or or Amazon or any of those awesome platforms and marketplaces that you may use. InkFrog is a great way of creating great-looking listings through a drag-and-drop interface, managing your active... Um, your current listings, and responding to messages and all that in one simple, simple interface. It is really a great tool. And best of all, if you don't have any design experience, you can just click a button and say, hey, InkFrog team, uh, can I go ahead and just have you guys develop and design a template for me? Save me all the time and the hassle of having to do it. And they'll do it for you in a few days. It's that simple. Uh, Go to BreakYourCulture.com forward slash ink frog or just click in the show notes here and you'll see a link to ink frog you get 30 days free to test it out and see how stinking beneficial it can be for your business so anyway enjoy the interview with chris thanks so much for listening well good morning chris what's going on man how you doing i am well how about yourselves doing good we got a little you might hear some thunder in the background we got a nice storm moving into kansas oh, City. oh that's
1: awesome ambiance. i like that <laughs> I plan, we
0: planned it perfectly
1: yeah no kidding now yeah. i gotta ask i gotta ask are, are we gonna be dropping some mute math in the background here Ooh, see that's
0: impressive the fact that you brought in a mute math one minute cheney what is, minute, Chenille, what, is you, what is mute math? i'm, I'm not like. aware what is mute math <laughs> mute math kind of uh this is what Chris and I, this is kind of how we bond. We share bands, and Mute Math is one of those bands. For those that don't know, uh,
1: you got to go check out a band called Mute Math. Oh, they are incredible. And, and I'm not normally into their uh, genre of music, but they are such uh, impressive uh, artists. I'll just put it that way. And, yeah. and watching them live is just incredible. I just, yeah. One of, the, one of my what favorite genre albums is
2: it? I have no clue.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Gosh, how would you explain the genre? It's kind of like, I would say, maybe
1: alternative electronic rock. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah, absolutely. Have you seen them live? I've just watched. They've got one live um, concert that used to um, broadcast on, I forget what channel. It was one of those obscure, like, Channel 500 uh cable channels <laughs> yeah um but they showed the entire uh thing it might, it might maybe it's on dvd or something but yeah just incredible performance uh top to bottom um yeah, yeah. i just their first album like i said is my favorite of theirs absolutely so if there was
2: a, a specific genre of music chris that you would say is your favorite or, or top two or three what would that
1: be oh man well you know i'm i'm a child of the 80s and a teen of the 90s and uh i'm i'm way alternative way alternative um and that was that was the music that uh i personally played uh i used to pretend to be a musician back then that that would be uh my top genre still to this day which kind of uh ages me a little bit because uh the millennials quote unquote that I know are like who's Nirvana
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: and then and then of course the age me further would be classic rock with the other one so just like Led Zeppelin the Beatles and things like that yeah
0: love it. love it love that's a good mix well, f- well first off we didn't give you a proper introduction so y- you run one of the cooler websites in the industry crack and wax uh, for those that don't know that and I mean we're excited to have you on today and kind of hear your story and chat about some of the random things that we like to talk about so I guess real quick, I mean, how did you get into breaking? I mean, what, what kind of started all this for you? You've been around for quite some time doing this, so give me some background. I it's, haven't.
1: It's weird, and I didn't realize how long I'd been actually doing this until we did uh, our Ginter thing. Someone asked me, um, how many times have you done this Ginter break? And I had to actually go back and look, and I'm like, gosh, I think the first one was like in 2012 or so, something like that. But uh it, this really ties in uh, to, uh, oddly enough, m- the journey that my wife and I, uh, my wife, uh, some people know as literal quirk or LQ. So I'll just refer to her as LQ from now on. Um, the journey that she and I have been on for like the last, uh, I'd say 13 years now is uh, going to be our anniversary um, of trying to start a family. And we've had, we've had difficulty and uh, we're right now still in the process of uh, adoption, which is, that's a whole different story. That's, that's a wow. long story just by itself. But um we had gotten to the point um, where we were trying to figure out, you know, what, what are we going to do to start a family? Uh, what are, how are we going to fill uh, this need to um, be parents or help other people? And um, it, it was about the same time where I had kind of rediscovered my passion for the hobby because a, a lot of people in, in my age, uh, in their thirties and forties had that little hiatus of like 10, 15 years, and then kind of got back into it and rediscovering. And it was at that point where I started this blog because I, I'd, I'd read other blogs like night owl cards and things like that. And I was like, "Wow, well, that's kind of cool. I'll, I'll just kind of write about my rediscovery. And in that I learned about breaks. And I, uh, one of the first ones I gotten into was uh, Houdini's I'm, I'm sure you, everyone knows who Houdini is. And sure. I'm like, Oh, this is a really cool way of, you know, different way that i've never seen before now how can i tie the two together because i want to give back i want to fill that uh that void as it were of uh of trying to give back or being a parent of sorts and that's how i i kind of uh tied the two together i'm like well why don't i you know explore my passion for opening cards uh collecting and build a, uh, a community of like-minded people, while at the same time figuring out a way to give back. And that's kind of how that all started. Yeah,
0: that's awesome. That is awesome, that's so, great. So you, uh, I mean, you're the home of the charity break, that's kind of what your your MO is. I mean, so I wanna dig into that a little bit. So so when you say you're, you're focused on charity breaks, portion of all your breaks are always going to charities, is that kind of the thing? Or do you have a couple charities you're always focusing on, and you just find a way to get get the money out of your process? What what's what's actually happening there?
1: Well, the ultimate goal is to eventually have every single break go towards that. Now, since I'm a one person project, basically, um, I haven't been able to devote every break towards charity, but, um, that's actually something that next year we're going to be able to finally do. And, and that just basically comes down to, this is all out of pocket Mm. and, uh, some of my closer collector friends know that i'm I'm in the red every year on this, <laughs> not just because of charity, but uh, because you know there are other overhead things that, you know, PayPal fees and shipping and supplies and stuff like that that every breaker has to pay for. but the yeah. the profit that I take in doesn't go towards that. It goes towards the charity. So in order to stay afloat, I've been having to kind of supplement. Uh, those extra costs with a few smaller breaks but hope now i've kind of built that up to a point where i'm able to give on every single break so up to this point it's just been uh the bigger like pick your team case breaks where we'll give uh in the past it had been five dollars per team but now i just do a general 10 percent of of the entire break yeah uh, to a specific charity and we like to hit up um big brothers big sisters as often as we can because we have a personal connection with them in fact lq was a uh, uh, big sister of the year for minnesota nice. a few years back yeah oh, that's um, cool. but we we try to like kind of feel out with the the rest of our uh, little collective community which uh you know charity organization they're feeling passionate about or we'll just pick something that we feel is cool uh we try to keep it kid related so we'll do things like um like saint baldrick's and things like that mm-hmm. um we've done in the past uh we've hooked up with signatures for soldiers and instead of uh, giving them uh, money, we've given we've uh, had our collectors donate their cards in the break to them so they could sell it uh, to make their money for their charity. So um yeah, we 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 try to hit up as many uh, charities as we're kind of feeling passionate about as we can.
0: Love it.
2: That's extremely noble and 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 admirable. I, I just want to go back and mention to you because you brought up the notion that you and your wife are, looking to adopt. My wife has adopted and it's a charity in Pittsburgh, the Adoption Association of Pennsylvania that we're involved with. Um, so I, I really am touched by that and just wanted to mention it. I think that, uh, the process is daunting. It's something that we've looked into as well. And I just want to tell you, I wish you the best of luck in that adventure and I, I know it'll come to fruition for you guys.
1: Oh, thank you very much. I appreciate that. I, I think people that uh, are kind of outside that world, just as we were before we started this, have no idea um, what, uh, how much work it really is. And, and, and there's a good reason that, it, that it's a lot of work. Um, I, I can't speak for, you know, uh, your situation, but I know at least uh, with us, you know, we're going through the state and they really want to make sure that the, the child or children get paired up with the correct people. Yeah. Well,
2: that well, is a, a, a Pandora's box that we could probably go down a rabbit hole with. And, um, you know, obviously being that we're breaker culture, it's not exactly the topic that we want to go that far with. But, you know, I'm, I'm glad oh, you absolutely. brought it up. I think it adds to who you are to your audience. It obviously adds a sense of um, deeper meaning to a conversation that we're having. And, you know, I think people appreciate that. So you mentioned some of the charities. Tell us if there's a product that works better for you or a style of break that works better for you in terms of a charity break is, does that exist? Is it more of the centers of the world, as you mentioned, or do higher end breaks work for you? I'm I'm interested to know what, what really works best for
1: a charity break. Well, at least the way that I've been running them, I've been trying to stick to the products that work better as a pick your team, like overall case. So something that's going to um, make sure that the cards are spread around for everybody so that I can maximize, you know, uh, how much I'm able to give. Um, now that I've kind of switched from $5 per team to 10% overall, the higher end is gonna end up making more sense down the road. But I had started out doing things like Allen & Ginter, um, which is one of the more divisive products, but I, I found a, a real niche in that, um, yeah. where every year, I, I that's the one product where I'm able to give uh, more than any other, um, just because of how I built that up over the years. Um, things like uh, Tops flagship works really well, at least the way that I've been doing it. Um, and, of course, those are a little bit more affordable products, so that attracts a, a greater audience. You know, um, you can't always get as many people interested in a, a great high-end product, no matter how beautiful it looks. Like, I'm a big fan of Immaculate, and it's not the most high-end product, but it's not cheap either. So, um it's, it's, it's a balance, you know, trying to get as many people involved as possible while also trying to maximize, uh, what you're trying to, to build as far as donations go. So uh, yeah, it's definitely something like Allen and Ginter and flagship and things like that, that I find has worked the best in the past.
0: Which is interesting because we were just talking a couple weeks ago about how it seems like some of those products, especially Ginter, there's just not a lot of breakers that do it. Like it's just either too much work or they can't fill the breaks. Um, so it's, it's Kind of fun that you've actually built a little niche in there with uh, with Alan Ginter. Whenever you do searches for Alan Ginter breaks, you always come up. So your SEO is built up pretty well. That's <laughs> nice. Yeah,
1: that, that's just from years and years and years of uh, sticking with uh, Ginter. Yeah,
0: that's right. No, it's cool. No, it's really cool. That's funny. So, I mean. Y- Obviously, you're going kind of going forward in two thousand nineteen, you want to start doing a little bit more high end. You want to probably do some more breaks. Um, does your wife help you with some of this stuff to kind of help offset the work you have to put into it?
1: She absolutely does, and, and I I'm so grateful for her help. She's uh, she's the sorter of extraordinaire. Uh, nice, nice. <laughs> so she she doesn't like to be on camera. Bless her heart. Uh, she's that's. I mean, I don't like to be on camera very much myself either. Which is you know, I. I I, I'm all about transparency uh, I used to do the the two camera angle where I've had one on my face and one on my hands uh, <laughs> but the feedback that we got is like we don't need this much of your face so she stays off <laughs> to the side and she sorts while i'm I'm breaking and this is mostly for the pick your team stuff that Jen she really likes that she's uh she's gonna hate me for saying this but she's she's kind of got that organizational uh, nerdiness to her that I love yeah. about her where she's very organized like i I've, I've, I've got a permanent uh, Uh, team sorting uh, station down where I normally do my smaller breaks. But upstairs uh, in the dining room where we do the larger ones, we get out the the little post-it notes where she's got little notes for what goes where and who gets what and, you know, try to remember how to collate. She goes, okay, now how do I collate this one? Is (laughs) Bowman going to have, you know, this kind of collation? Okay, what do we need to do for Ginter? How many mini cards are we doing this year? How many hits are we doing? And it's like... (laughs) Thank goodness she's doing all that while I'm, you know, doing the, you know, the um, the meat and potatoes, the, the actual like presentation of the break, because that gives me time to do that. <laughs> that's awesome. I picture like John Nash. Was that the character in Beautiful Mind? Or uh, he's just like all these little
0: numbers written on the board and
1: <laughs> just, <laughs> on the windows? That's, right. that's there, right. There you go. That's exactly her. You know, <laughs> that's awesome. People, I mean, I'll tell you,
0: you underestimate how important that is to have someone like that especially when, oh, yeah. I mean, when it's your wife and you guys can coordinate times and all that stuff. But what have you found is kind of the good routine for you and your breaks? I mean, are you sorting right after you get done and you try to ship really quickly? Or what's kind of the thing that you've figured out as a way to be most efficient?
1: Well, since my uh, day work schedule uh, has mm-hmm. me super busy, I find it more convenient to get it shipped and collated and all that as fast as possible. Um, and that could not be done without her help. Um, but we also take the time to make sure that we're not just putting all the team sets together, just kind of all in a random, random pile. We are also collating that stuff. So usually, what happens, especially on a big pick-your-team uh, charity case break, is we'll run the case uh, case break um, maybe at like one o'clock in the afternoon or five at the latest. As soon as that's done. Maybe we'll order a pizza, have some dinner. Because by then, I'm like my, I can't talk anymore. <laughs> we're both starving. <laughs> as soon as we're done eating, we are just sorting, 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 sorting. The next day is usually uh, taking those sorted team piles and collate them. Uh, you know, usually by card number, yeah. bagging them, and then resorting them by buyer and getting them in those boxes. And the next day, labeling them, getting them out. So it's usually Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and they're gone. That's impressive. But again, I wouldn't be able to do all that if she wasn't here volunteering. No way. Totally.
0: Well, you say volunteering. I'm sure you guys share a budget. So you guys, <laughs> you figure <laughs> well, out
1: for tax purposes. I'm a sole uh, 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 proprietor, so she's not an employee. So. Ah, there you
0: go. There you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> nice. So who's um who, who do you collect, man? I'm what uh, you, I'm I'm assuming you have your own personal collection and you go after certain players and teams. What
1: uh, what kind of gets you excited? I do. It's it's always been the twins because I'm I'm a Minnesota guy. Yeah. yeah, the very very first pack of cards I ever got was in '86. My mom bought me some tops, and the and of course the first guy I pulled out of there was Kirby Puckett. So I was in love with twins since then. Um, when I came back into the hobby, I was very disjointed. So uh, I think it was around 2007 after my big hiatus. I I just I didn't know how the hobby was working anymore. You know. It, And I I fell into that trap of like, oh, my God, what's this relic card? You know, I got to chase all these. I'm like, oh, my God, who are these rookies? I got to chase all these guys. And I (laughs) have since then have refocused back into Twins and have kind of pared that down to, okay, it's not just the Twins. Now it's uh, Twins, Rookies, and Prospects, Autos, and then Twins Hall of Fame autographs. So it's really uh, my wife loves this now because I had spent so much money (laughs) i first got into this i mean i've got the most irresponsible like uh purchases in trading cards which i'm sure is not a new topic of discussion for a lot of collectors especially with (laughs) their spouses (laughs) to now where it's like it's it's very rare that i'm finding stuff that i don't already have so i'm not spending as much as as normal so it's really whittled down to very focused only twins autographs type of thing so twins only know vikings or timberwolves I'm, uh, I have a confession. Uh, I'm not a Viking fan. <laughs> I'm a Packer fan. Oh, boy. Yeah. We live wow, in the Twin Cities. Wow, a Packer fan in Minnesota. In the Twin Cities, in, in enemy territory. And, well, both LQ and I are from Wisconsin, actually.
0: Okay. Hmm. That, that is a little divisive. It I, is. I, I
1: could, it is. A little polarizing for your, uh, your Minnesota customers, I'm sure. In fact, I'm wearing a, a Packers uh, hoodie right now as we speak. Nice. <laughs> I just realized that. Is it that cold or you, is it just too early? <laughs> it can't
0: it be actually, that cold.
1: Well, I'm, I'm, I'm in the lower level of the house. It's very cold down here. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. Plus, I'm a Packer
0: fan. So, I mean, come on. <laughs> Fair enough. You brought up an interesting point, though, about, you know, we and Shani and I always talk about this, you know, balancing out the communication with your wife and it, it can be somewhat of a interesting subject around the dinner table sometimes with, with the wife and money and all that stuff. and <laughs> I am sure you've probably had to breach that subject to some capacity with your customers. Who, I mean, inherently, sports cards, especially breaking, is kind of gambling, right? You're, a lot of a lot of disposable income. You hope a lot of maybe folks to stretch budgets. What's kind of your viewpoint on a kind of I don't know managing that with your clients? I mean, does it, does it ever come up? Does it ever cross your mind? as, hey, man, maybe you need to. Maybe you need to calm down and not spend so much with me this week. <laughs> kind of like the the guy that's taking so many shots at a bar.
1: Yeah, uh, I guess I, I haven't really come to that with anybody, and that's kind of that's kind of a difficult. Uh, and you bring you bring up a good analogy there because I I do work in customer service myself, so I do have that that side that I'm always thinking about, <clears throat> um, and and I utilize that with with breaking. Um, but it, it's it's kind of hard uh, to tell someone not to uh, spend money, especially when I'm trying to raise money for charity. <laughs> um, cause I, you know, I don't know what, uh, anyone's particular, sure. uh, budget is or, sure. or, you know, what they spend their money on. Uh, I'm good friends with actually, I've developed a good friendship with uh, a couple of people that have been, uh, breaking with us for years. And, you know, some of them have a lot more disposable income than others, you know, and I, I can't just assume that, Oh, because you know, someone spent X amount of dollars this month, whereas this person only breaks once a year, you know, I, I can't make that judgment call for them. I, you know, I'd love to be able to be like the bartender behind the bar saying, Hey, you know what? I can't serve you anymore. You know, but I, I just don't think it's really my place to tell someone, Hey, you got to stop spending your money on me. And it may not be, it's an interesting
2: conversation. I think to the extent that we're all in this hobby and engaged in the breaking aspect of the hobby to be aware and come to the point where we're at least admitting that there is a side of this that is akin to gambling, I think is at least important. The conversation has to at least be there. And that might just help the person that's not opening up to you necessarily, but will be more honest with himself because it's a pretty serious thing. That could lead down a dark hole.
1: That, yeah, that, absolutely. I, I and I think that really comes with, uh, with with well with really any hobby that anyone gets into. I mean, that could be coin collecting. I mean, that could be stamp collecting. I mean, if you if you put uh, so much passion into something and that consumes all of your time and ends up consuming all of your money, um, that certainly could end up becoming an issue for that that person. You know, so and then on the flip side of it and the business side of it, if that person suddenly who is spending, you know, thousands of dollars a month, really supporting your business uh, drops off the map because they're, they've realized, Hey, I've got a problem. I need to back off. Now does, does that hurt that person's business as well? You know, and I'm not saying, Hey, you need to come back and spend your money. That's not what I'm getting at at all. Uh, but there is also, you know, where's, the, where's the responsibility? Like who, who should speak up and say, Hey man, are, are, are you doing okay over there? I mean, you know, do you need to be spending a thousand dollars every month on, on breaks with us? I mean, it, are you okay? I just don't know personally. When is a good time to cross that line to say, you know, hey, is is everything okay? You know, I, I think it's about having
2: conversations like this uh, and having more conversations about it in general. Not to make it topic number one. Not to mm. say that it has to be brought up on every broadcast. Um, But the the reality is we don't have necessarily a venue to bring this topic up and be honest with ourselves about it. So I think it's all of our responsibility to just be aware, have a bit of a conversation, at least a little bit more than we're currently having out there in the hobby in general. I don't think it's your responsibility. I don't think it's any particular breaker's responsibility. I think it's the community's responsibility at large. To kind of just keep an eye out there and say, hey, this buddy of mine looks like he might be getting a little in over his head, and you know, I heard him make a few more comments than he usually does about his wife being mad at him. To just <laughs> say, hey, everything cool? You know? Yeah, right. I, look, That's we fair. don't have we don't have a CCA, uh, a Card Collectors Anonymous, just yet. It might be coming, but I think we owe it to ourselves, to our community, to the hobby we love. To be certain that it's not something that ends up becoming too dark of a topic that we just keep it top
0: of mind at some level well in fairness i think you could probably make an argument that that's kind of why breaks exist you know i mean because in the past you had to go spend a lot of money on wax to open cards but uh, now you can, you can kind of slip into things a little bit cheaper than you used to be able to so until they started coming out
2: with products like Flawless and we thought <laughs> Diamond Icons. Kind of, oh my <laughs> God. We, yeah. we thought Flawless <laughs> was a ceiling at one point, and we were thinking, oh my God, that's too expensive. And look at where
1: it's gone from there. Transcendent, and yeah. So now, I true. agree
2: with what you said, though, Ty, because it, it is a very good point for folks that may have not been able to afford a case, but were trying to figure out how to do it anyway. Now they don't have to go that route. Yeah. And that's a great thing. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's a good conversation. I think we provide a service to the greater community of cardboard collectors to have it. And if we have this conversation and someone listens to it, hopefully it just kind of goes from there. By no means do I want anyone listening to think that we're pointing fingers at anybody or that we assume that anytime you're watching a break, Somebody who bought in is probably some form of an addict. Right. But we just want to be conscious, right?
1: Right. right. And personally speaking, as far as, you know, um, running uh, our stuff with crack and wax, I I would prefer if someone like uh, approached me, like, you know, just off to the side and say, you know, I'm sorry, we're, you know, I I need to take a break. You know, I, you know, you guys are doing, you, you know, your thing, but I need to take a break. I need to take care of myself for a little bit instead of like. You know, then I'll know. You know, okay. I'm not gonna hound this guy. Hey, do you want this spot? Do you want this spot? Because, in that way, I'm almost enabling that, uh, as you put it, addiction. You know, right? Um, If if I know that that's a person that needs to take care of themselves, I'll, you know, we'll let them come back. We'll let them take care of themselves, and maybe even, as a breaker, maybe that's something that we can do if we recognize. Uh, that there's an issue with, you know, a person or a group of people, maybe we provide some sort of uh, uh, help in that way, where we're not enabling, you know, where we're, we're right. trying to uh, make sure that they're healthy, you know, in uh, in, in that capacity. Yeah. I, I think, as a whole, the collecting community should be, and, and this is why I love the hobby, is that we should all be kind of coming together and taking care of each other, and I see that more than than the opposite. And I think Absolutely. that kind of gets lost in the hobby. I agree.
0: I like it, Ken. I like it. This is man, Shanee. This is right up your alley. Really philosophical. Addiction it definitely addiction. is. Yeah. <laughs> this is this is good. This is really good. Uh, I'm gonna lighten the mood a bit. What's your favorite yoga stretch?
1: <laughs> Me. <laughs> Man, I can I can barely do the the child's pose. I I don't think there's a name for my favorite games, right?
0: the, 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 Yeah, just, this is a, that's a Sorry. trick question, by the way. If you had named one, we might have had to end the conversation. <laughs> uh, can you sit in downward dog for an hour straight? Oh, jeez. <laughs> Oh my goodness. That should
1: be like a punishment like if if, if, if you did like some sort of like uh, if, you, if you looked at your stats on this podcast, and I do have to warn you the last two podcasts I were on they don't exist anymore. But if you looked at your stats, <laughs> oh, geez. and this ends up being like the least listened to podcast that should be like my punishment is I'd have to do downward dog for like an hour. <laughs>
0: That's funny. Well, we had a pretty bad streak going a couple weeks ago. Where we had we talked about Pokemon briefly, and then Magic: The Gathering the next week, and it was just like, this
1: is terrible. We're totally isolating our audience here. <laughs> well, that actually kind of surprises me. I kind of thought there would be some crossover. Don't you, you think? You know
2: what? There probably is. I think we were being a bit harsh on ourselves, and you know, obviously, he says that somewhat in jest, but yeah, um, that that actually does bring up a cool opportunity, though. I wanted to ask you. Chris, what, what's your favorite product of 2018 so far?
1: Oh, man, I, I'm going to get a lot of flack for this because uh, um, I, I'm all about fully licensed, but I have so far enjoyed Immaculate the most. It, but to be fair, I got spoiled on my case. So the the, the case that I got really spoiled me. So maybe if, if, I, if I put that aside, <laughs> um, maybe, boy, You mean Immaculate Baseball, I assume, because you said the licensing thing. Okay. Yep. Um, But maybe Museum Collection might be up there as uh, one of my favorites for the year. Um, Hmm. I've had my reservations about uh, flagships uh, design and how it was handled this year. Um, And actually, uh, one of my friends uh, wrote an article uh, on this subject about how uh, rookies have been handled this year. And I think that's all the air and judge effect from last year carrying over to this year with uh, putting in uh, Acuna and, and uh, Glaber Torres as uh, short prints on Series 2 um, to to help sell that. Now, I get that as a marketing strategy. That's brilliant on Thompson's part. But that also makes it kind of more difficult, I think, uh, for collectors to even want to bother, you know, It's like, well, if this is a really short printed card, what's the point? You know, I'll just wait for them to show up on eBay or, you know, check out my cards or something like that. I I see that as something that uh, breakers like myself are going to be, you know, purchasing in quantity as far as cases to to do that part of it. But as far as the the collector side goes, I I think rookie cards have gotten a little bit gimmicky on the flagship side. So that kind of makes me feel like those products aren't as uh, good whereas I really enjoyed the structure of museum collection and Immaculate more because uh, we had solid uh, designs, obviously. We had solid checklists. Uh, There wasn't too much gimmicky outside of uh, Otani, which is going to be the gimmick of the year for every product anyway. Um, I think all that really uh, factors into how I would uh, rate a product.
2: That is a good answer. I I didn't really know much about What kind of gimmick tops approached series two with? So I'm, I'm glad you shared because
0: I I definitely learned something from that. The takeaway here is the headline, which you just said: Otani is the gimmick of the year. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. it's so true though. I mean, it really is. We were just talking about Chronicles a couple days ago, and I, you know, they put in one of my cases had 39 different Otani cards in it. And it's just like they—that that is totally a gimmick for them because they know that as breakers are opening this and they see more and more Otanis, folks are just going to be like, oh, my gosh, this is actually a better product than we thought. And there's some truth to that because there is some value with Otani, but
1: it's getting a little old. No doubt about that. And I, I think we are starting to see, um, and, and this is less to do with his injury and more to do with um, that gimmick of the year concept, is that we are now getting to the point where saturation is starting to sink in where people are getting less uh, concerned about, did I get my Otani yet? Cause now everyone's got their Otani. So now do we need another Otani? Okay. Some of us do, but as the year goes on and, and we're getting as many Otanis in one year as uh, we would get from a, a, a different rookie, uh, top rookie over the span of five years, which is just, in, which is nuts. Again, a good marketing strategy for the, uh, the, the manufacturers, but for sure, Because they're going to sell their products all year long, right? But once we get come into his sophomore year, are we going to care as much, or are we going to really lean hard on the next crop of top rookies? Like has been the trend. So like last Mm -hmm. year, like I mentioned, was Judge and Bellinger. This year, Uh, Otani. Yes, but of course, there's also Glaber Torres, there's Acuna, Soto, and yep, yeah, absolutely. So if last year
2: to right, if last year to this year is any indication. I don't know about you guys, and it's not something you and I have talked about, Ty, but it, it shocks me that Judge and Bellinger seem to be a bit of an afterthought at this point. So maybe Otani and his popularity carries forward a little bit further than Judge and, and Bellinger have, but I think the rookie reigns and leads this, pro, uh, this hobby all, uh, all the, uh, forever. You know, it's just a reality. It's always going to be the rookie chase, but I would like to see the top rookie from one year have a level of popularity that carries through because it's, it's relatively shocking that the judge and Bellinger
0: roller coaster seem to just come to a screeching halt. Well, I think in fairness, judge still sells pretty well. Bellinger has had kind of a weak year and, I don't know, something about him is just not real attractive as a sophomore. <laughs> but, I mean, with Otani, right. we, like we've said before, you have 125 million people from Japan behind him that's just going to keep driving prices.
1: So, and that's another good point, whereas uh, you know, Judge and Acuna and Torres, they, they don't have that uh, secondary international market uh, stranglehold that Otani does currently. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, when you do have the overproduction that we're seeing on his behalf uh, from Tops and uh, Panini, um, when, when does that roller coaster hit the bottom and never come back up? You know, or only come back up just a little bit, like in in the case of Judge and and Bellinger, it'll happen eventually, especially with the quantity of cards that they're they're producing. Maybe I, I I'm happy to be wrong. I'm wrong a lot.
2: <laughs> I mean, the truth is, we can look to one other guy to kind of give us a bit of a of a guide to this conversation, and that is Ichiro. I mean, now I know that he came up at a time. I'm where we weren't seeing this kind of saturation for one guy, but he kind of stayed steady throughout his career in terms of his hobby love. And we can imagine a day where this guy becomes the, the legend in a product that is extremely sought after as he already is.
0: Um, He he really hasn't taken too much of a dip over the years. Yeah. And and the thing with him is I, he's not really a dynamic player. You know, he's just kind of right. consistency. Right. Where Otani is, he's hitting 440-foot homers, and he's throwing 100 miles an hour. They're, that electric stuff didn't exist with the, with uh, with Ichiro.
1: Yeah, and we haven't even seen Otani, at least on the Major League Baseball level, at his full capacity yet, just because of that injury. You yeah, know? right.
0: Yeah, speaking of that, I just saw that uh, he's ready to pitch again, which is pretty cool. That'll Wow. Another boost in his cards. I think he's going to fight through it, so that could be really fun when's Again? that supposed to happen well apparently he's been throwing side sessions already and he's looked pretty good yeah. so maybe in a couple that's of weeks that's incredible yeah i mean if i'm in the angels and i'm not in the playoff race why why would you risk that i guess is but tickets tickets yeah well, there you go <laughs> there you go that's a good point um well cool let's take let's take a minute to think the sponsors and then we'll uh we'll jump back into this All right, folks, we put a lot of time over the last couple months uh, putting together what we call our checklist headquarters. And, and really, if you go to our website at breakerculture.com and you see up there in the top bar, you'll see in blue checklist headquarters. For football and for baseball right now, we have created the most interactive, complete checklist available for you to use. Within minutes of products coming out, usually, we add these products back into the check checklist so that you can look at checklist across the entire season for that particular sport and compare and contrast and understand which teams provide you the best possibility of hits of what is the breakdown for specific teams or players what's the breakdown for specific products with autos and auto relics and inserts and sps all of that is there for you just to simply click and drag and drop and create your own view into all of this data that Panini and Tops give us. So take advantage of it. It's there for you to use. Uh, I want you to get the most value from it. Uh, We're continuing to modify and and, and continuing to enhance this as best we can, but that revolves around you guys giving us feedback. So take advantage of Checklist Headquarters right on BreakerCulture.com. right on the very top, you'll see it. And let us know what you think because we want to make sure that you're getting value from it. All right, we're back. So. So man, let's um let's talk about a little bit more some of the product stuff. I know we've dug into it a little bit. Um, first first off, how does this Bowman Chrome push and back thing? What, what's your reaction to that? I mean, I know it's just a part of the hobby, but it's got to be tough for breakers. I think that's who it impacts the most. Frustrating, obviously.
1: Ah, uh, you know, there's a level of expectation that uh, some products are gonna push back, as as you mentioned. That's just part of the the deal. Um. What got me more was that it wasn't just Bowman Chrome, it was a whole slew of products. And I wonder if uh, if it's uh, Juan Soto that's to quote unquote blame for that, because uh, mm-hmm. um, I think he's starting to appear in some products. Where did I just see? It? Oh, he was just in archives, that's what it was. Um, mm-hmm. and that got uh, quite uh, heavily pushed back as well. And I'm wondering if he's got an autograph that's suddenly being inserted. So that's, that's another one of those uh, rookies that uh, Topps is leaning on, possibly, potentially. Mm-hmm. um to help sell these back end uh of the uh, calendar year like Bowman Chrome I I you know you know and I I had this charity break set up for Bowman Chrome and uh, I was selling these spots early um because it's a charity thing I want to make sure that I'm getting everyone kind of involved uh, uh early enough and then suddenly I've got the I have to write this email I'm like sorry I got pushed back by a month people are generally uh, generally cool about that um as long as you know you're telling them because not everybody knows that a product is, is being held back unless, you know, it's in their face, you know, and it's not like tops is saying, Hey everybody, look at me. uh, We're pushing stuff back. You know, I just (laughs) have the information. So um, I think for me, it's, it's not as, as frustrating. uh, As maybe it would be for the people that are buying into the break, because, because I run the model that I do, they are kind of putting money in, expecting their money to have a return on that investment within a certain period of time. Sure. Now they've got to wait another month. So I don't like tying people's money up. Um, which is why when I do it early like this, I'm only requesting a $20 uh, reservation, mm. which goes towards the spot instead of like saying, you know, I'm going to tie up your hundred dollars or whatever for your Yankees or whatever it ends up being. Right. Um, cause, cause this happens. It just, it's just part of the the hobby. It's been like that for years and years and years. and, you know, it's never, it's not going to be a thing that goes away either. Yeah. That's a fair point. That's a fair point. Yeah. I,
0: I guess the argument is sometimes you get a little bit more exposure when it's a flagship product, but in reality it's happening to all products every year. So and and baseball more so than any other sport because of the way the minor league system works. Yep. So, yep. Absolutely. It is what it is. Yeah. Um, that's interesting. Um, so I mean, what, uh, Outside of Bowman Chrome, what product are you looking forward to the most? And I'm assuming you kind of you you seem to focus more on baseball, so we're kind of talking more about baseball. Do you do you break other products as well?
1: Uh, baseball, and I've just started to finally get into football too. Um, and it's not for lack of understanding of football, and it's not because I'm not a fan of football. I'm I'm a Packer fan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but uh, I've I've stayed with baseball, be general, because I I am I'm one of the small guys. Uh, And I've built a very small uh, community of uh, collectors who basically only collect baseball. So it's been real hard for me to branch out into other sports uh, until recently. We've kind of grown to the point now where I can break more often and I can start doing football products. But as far as my favorite stuff uh, for the uh, end of the year that I'm looking forward to, Bowman Chrome is one of them. Um, Bowman Draft can be fun. It also can be a pain. <laughs> um, believe it or not, I liked Chronicles last year, and I'm kind of looking forward to doing my Chronicles break. Oh, sure. I know it was. Yeah, yeah, it was. It, it's a kind of a weird product, and I know it's going to be saturated with Otani, like you'd mentioned. But there was just something about the way that it was structured last year and how it seems to be structured this this year again that just kind of it, it felt kind of uh, kind of fresh and new. It's like here's the best of Panini products all in one uh, box. Plus, this other weird thing that we call Chronicles. You know,
0: <laughs> <laughs> you are speaking our language, man. We just put out a podcast last night, and I, I was mentioning Chronicles is by far the funnest product we've opened this entire year. It oh, I was believe it. Such a blast. My kids love it. I believe it. Yeah. There's, There's so no value. Chris, <laughs>
2: you mentioned that the way you said it is you're one of the small guys, and, and we know that this is not your full time gig. So, I, I'm just interested to know, uh, and 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 I have asked a few other breakers these kind of questions about, you know, what you're interested in doing and becoming. Are you happy being that breaking is kind of a side gig for you staying that way? Or is this something that you'd like to kind of take to the next level and, and blow it up a little bit further?
1: Well, I would like to take this as uh, as far as it can go. It's not necessarily a goal of mine, but I'm certainly not going to stop it from happening if that's what does happen. I, um, I have been, well, uh, my ultimate goal here is to do as much good with it as possible. And if that means taking it to the next level, then absolutely. Um, but again, this isn't paying my bills. This isn't something where I can you know, do this and replace the income that I'm making with my day job. That's, I don't know if that's ever going to be possible. Uh, the only way that would be possible. And I've done the math on this. I've, I've sat down with LQ uh, a, new, a number of times like, okay, now we're breaking more. Um, can we survive on just crack and wax? And the answer is always a diffi- a definitive no. And part of the, part of that is purely the, the charity side of it. Um, now, if I kept all that money for myself, I still wouldn't be able to. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. and we've raised, you know, more money this year than ever before. And it's, it's not, it's still not enough to live off of. I would love to be able to say that I'm able to raise that kind of money and put it towards charity rather than live off of it. To be perfectly honest with you, I'm very happy balancing out my current day job with crack and wax. Um, I'm, I would love to scale down to instead of five days at my day job to maybe four days and devote an additional day to crack and wax. Cause that means now I can do even more good with what I've built. So if I do take it to the next level, I still don't think this is going to be something that's going to be able to sustain a family here, a household, um, and, and feed our faces as I say. Um, cause I'd rather just give it back to, you know, uh, charity. Yeah.
2: Well, I mean, it's it's an honest answer, therefore it's a good answer and you know, I I wish you the best in that endeavor because it's obviously doing good. Are there charities you have not been involved with yet that
1: you would like to? Um, you know, the th- the thing about charities and I, I I do look up um I've got this great resource where I I do kind of uh search through charities. Um there are just so many of them. I mean, it's, oh, yeah. Oh, I and I had no idea uh, until I started doing this, because you know the the average person only knows about the charities that do the most marketing. Obviously, uh, if you see them, you know, on commercials or whatever, or you hear someone else talking about it. Just the quantity of good charities out there—that's just way too many to list. Which is why I kind of pull the people that are participating in these breaks. Because believe it or not, uh, and this happened a, a few years ago, where I had just decided on a charity. And I did have a few people uh, uh, approach me through, you know, texts or DMs or emails saying, I'm not joining this break because I, I don't want to give my money to this charity
0: they, because it was a
1: charity that they didn't believe in. I said, well, that's a very good point. I said, thank you for, you know, for letting me know how you feel about this. Uh, so, so there's that aspect to think of, too. It's not just the charities that we want to support. I want to make sure that we're representing our collectors as well, because it's mm. ultimately their money going to that charity. Have you ever done anything to where you kind of
2: ran some type of contest parallel to the break to where somebody within the break had an opportunity to choose the charity of, you know, that that they're passionate about? Or um, if you haven't thought about that, it would be interesting potentially to figure out a way to give somebody in the break or more than one
1: person in the break an opportunity to say, hey, this is something that I support yeah that would definitely be an interesting idea to to implement you know and and that's definitely something I could explore in the future so i'm 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 all about you know trying new things and and uh, as I mentioned, branching out and uh, trying to stay innovative and not stale, especially for you know when uh, people that are new to crack and wax are coming in and and checking us out. you know it's not just the same old thing over and over again. so that is definitely something worth looking into for sure, yeah. That's an, you know, I didn't really think about the idea of
0: folks approaching this from this idea of what uh, what charity they're actually putting their money into. But that that's a good reminder for me and probably for you consistently is people actually are not just doing this for their cards; they're actually thinking through where their money's going. With you specifically, that's that's really cool. That's yeah, cool. It, it means the uh, it's resonating with them, which I think is the the ultimate end goal for you. Um, but you mentioned kind of being a little bit more progressive. I mean. I think one of the things that always stood out with me or, or, or around your breaks is your technology and your approach to your breaks is top notch. Like you, oh, thank you. You have a way about kind of managing your technology, which I think is really impressive. What uh, I mean, what are some of the tips and things that you've learned kind of over time with technology and kind of making it more of a production, more of a show um, over the over the past four or five years? I mean, obviously technology is kind of advanced, but what are some things that you've kind of realized you have to do and you started
1: doing in your breaks? Yeah. The advancement in technology is, is a huge help, obviously. And it's, it's, it's been an evolution, uh, here at least. Um, and I think I do have a little bit of an advantage, uh, in that I have, uh, in a, in a past life, uh, I have a, a degree in graphic design, so that does mm. help me on that side of things. Um, so I'm able to produce, uh, some graphics that might look a little bit, uh, more higher end than maybe others. Uh, but I, I, do this on a budget. I, I really don't have a lot of money to spend. And, uh, I, those who are listening to this may not be aware, but I used to do a, a video, uh, segment called gut reaction, mm-hmm. um, where I would take a product and I would just do this fun little, uh, review of it and giving pluses and minuses, uh, you know, depending on if I liked a, a certain aspect of it or a negative aspect of it. Um, and, the production on that isn't up to my standards, but it's on a budget. So it might look might look okay. so the 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 real thing you really need to do uh, to to think about is, you know, can I do this on a budget? And if I can, what are the the workarounds? And for me, the workaround was getting to know uh, programs like Photoshop and iMovie. And right. you know it's a pain in the butt and it takes a little extra time, but stitching those things together for those types of videos. Now, for my live broadcast, it's the same concept. Um, getting yourself familiar with a program like uh, Photoshop and building out those, you know, tiny little graphics and then putting them on the live broadcast. Little things like that can make things look a lot more um, uh, pleasant to the eye or a lot more professional uh, than not having them there at all, I think. Now, there's also the line you don't want to cross of, you know, looking gaudy and having too much on the screen at the same time. So... Like I said, I have that advantage of, I've got the designer eye. I kind of have. I, I know where the balance is. Um, so you, you just really need to look at other breakers videos and see what they're doing and, and kind of, you know, pick and choose what you like the best. Don't necessarily copy them, you know, per se, you don't want to make yourself look like, uh, you know, a complete copy of, you know, crack and wax or another breaker or whatever, but take what looks good to you personally and, Try to find a way to implement that, whether you're working on a budget or if you've got expendable income. And if you can't do it yourself, you know, it's really easy to learn. A lot of this stuff I had to YouTube. I searched on YouTube. How do I do this? How do I do that? You know? So is there a
2: specific tool that you use uh, in terms of, you know, whether it's breaking software or marketing software that you couldn't
1: live without? Oh, well... As far as you know, and I, and I do have to praise uh, you guys with your checklist. Uh, that's uh, knowing your checklist is huge as a breaker. I can't, I, I can't stress that enough. And what you guys have done with your checklist is is mind blowing. I've I've seen other websites attempt uh, what you've done, and it's looked great. But uh, you've really nailed it down. <laughs> Thank you. That's yes, great. it's impressive. So uh, as as one breaker to, to to you guys who are all about. <laughs> serving the breaking community thank you for that thank you <laughs> That that is a tool um and uh it, it's not so much about knowing your your checklist it's knowing how to break it down because not every break is going to be a pick your team uh not every break is going to be divisional you know it's you're able to break that checklist down the way that you you guys have done makes it so much easier for guys like me to know how to properly price things out. And that's, that's something that, that is a stressor for me is have I priced this correctly? Hmm. You know, what, am I going to get those DMS or texts or whatever saying, Hey, now why did you price it like this? And then I have to have that conversation. Well, (laughs) yeah, that's awesome. That's the, that's the thing that I couldn't live without. And I'm, very looking forward to using your checklist breakdown a lot in the future very cool hey man i I didn't even ask you to say that
0: i promise guys (laughs) (laughs) that's funny well you know i I kind of assumed you had a a somewhat of a technical background um, just because i mean quality it's funny you see some breakers who or you even see just people who don't break and just assume that it's really easy to get something like this up and running and the truth right. is, it's just not like you have to if you have to put time into your craft. And like you said, I mean, if you're not spending time watching videos and learning Photoshop or learning iMovie or OBS, or whatever you use, it's just not going to be that good. <laughs> like you hate to say it, but it's just not going to be that good. So props to you, man, because it, it is a this is a craft like you're selling something at the end of the day. And people I mean, I go back and I watch your stuff. I, I even watch some of those those uh those review videos
1: that you did, I actually thought they were really good. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> that's really that's good. the one request I get the most often. Is when is that coming back? When is that coming back?
0: <laughs> yeah. So we'll, we'll have to explore partnership something where we can yeah. get you doing that together. It'd be fun. It'd be fun. Be fun. Yeah. People, it just it just
2: speaks to the fact that people are hungry this hobby as small as it is is as big as it is at times and people are still looking for outlets for their interest. And, uh, you know, it doesn't stop at us by
0: any means. 100%. I was talking to a, a shop owner yesterday, and he was telling me that uh, at the National this year, they've been going for 10 years straight. At the National this year, they doubled their highest gross of any year in the past decade. Wow! So that's, how, that's how crazy it was.
2: Well, did, did he attribute it to anything that he did differently no. or only to the said, popularity of the hobby?
0: Which was interesting because he actually said that they didn't even sell as much wax. It was more of the single sells that hmm. carried it over the top. People were just – they were coming there with cash in hand. They have so much more disposable income this year, and they just want to find players to invest in or build their personal collections. He said it was just mind-blowing, wow. absolutely
1: mind-blowing. I find it interesting how the hobby has grown uh, recently, and there's been a lot more exposure. And I, I don't want to name specific names, but I've I've seen particular uh, people join the hobby community as of late that I would have never in a million years thought they were going to participate. And, and I, I had mentioned uh, a while back that uh, really any exposure for the hobby is really good. You know, it's just a matter of... Uh, you know, trying to keep it positive. But I find it very interesting. And it's got to be the Otani effect, honestly. You know, mm-hmm. if, it, if it weren't for these uh, rookies in the last couple of years that have really pushed ahead. And to be frank, Topps has done a good job with marketing and their uh, partnership with uh, MLB. As much as collectors hate that monopoly, um, it's, I think, has done more good uh, for growing uh, the collector base than anything yeah. else. Because at the end of the day, tops is trying to make money. And they want to sell to as many people as possible. If they are trying to make that their product accessible, well, they're doing something because it's it's blown up uh, over the last two years. And it's not just the players that are doing that. It's a lot of them, but not just them. Totally. Yeah. I mean,
0: you look at some of it. So we do these ROI ladders, right? We'll put out just the price fluctuations of a player over time. And I mean, there's money to be made if you're doing this to make money, if, if you invest the right way. So it is kind of interesting to look at it from, from that perspective, of course, but um, yeah, you're right. Otani does have a big effect in <laughs> and, and the international presence of basketball, just driving values. It, it does make it really fun. I, I think
2: that there is a factor that we're not talking about, and that is youth. And I know that that's something that people throw around a lot. We need the kids to get into this hobby for sustainability. There's something I noticed at the National and, well, as a basic statement, it was just the sheer number of kids. But I also walked around and I saw that there were kids without their parents that were uniquely aware of resale prices, secondary market status and prices. And they were telling whoever the booth guy was, whether it was a shop owner or just a guy that sets up at the national. Oh no, this is overpriced. Or, you know, this is maybe a little underpriced. This is what I'll pay for it. Do you have five more? I'll take them all. I'm talking about 13, 14 year olds. And I think that kids are a bit more business savvy at a younger age. And what opened my eyes to it wasn't this hobby. My kids are involved in this hobby with me, but my older son is also involved in the sneaker hobby. And he dragged me along to a sneaker show four or five months ago. And I was shocked to see how many young people were savvy enough to have found the capital, whether from their parents or otherwise. And the capital necessary to get started in that game is potentially significantly more than it is in the card game. And they were selling $1,000 shoes and making a serious stack of cash and i just think that kids at least a certain type of kid is drawn to the entrepreneurial opportunities that are out there for them today and that's something that we need to just find a way to foster ourselves if if there's any way for us to do that just keep that top of mind we all talk about the youth i said that already but it's a different kid than we were when we were in the hobby back in the day
1: absolutely well just remember there there are kids you know <laughs> you yeah. know and we're essentially we're the ones that kind of uh molded and, and and shaped that sort of uh behavior if you will um and uh it's i don't know if you could label it uh uh the kids of Gen Xers or uh millennial behavior or not but it it definitely is that's that's the crowd
0: that's right i mean i I call my kids my little diamond icons that's what I call them <laughs> 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 oh shoot so i gotta ask you this man so you're since you're a ginter guy this cryptocurrency card thing i mean insanity
1: i mean are you aware of it i'm assuming you are i am absolutely aware of it and well, uh I, I get nervous when i see things like that because uh <laughs> i always think of the uh the jose uribe scam you, uh, you're you guys know what that is
2: jose uribe
1: scam no you don't know the jose uribe scam okay i now, I yammer. I'm sorry. You guys are going to have an incredibly long podcast out of this, but, uh, so the, the Jose Uribe scam is essentially, uh, so this guy on eBay, again, I'm not going to name names cause I'm not here to promote anybody, uh, that are, that is scamming, uh, has a very common, like uh, 1990 Jose Uribe Fleer. I mean, those are printed in the millions, I, I think. Right. Yeah. And, um, and he's promoting it to non-collectors as if it's a rare card. And, uh, what he oh. has is either multiple accounts or friends that are, you know, bidding really high, right? Um, and then he'll list more of these. So he's not going to sell this, uh, you know, $250,000 bidded Jose Uribe card. What he's actually done is he's got all these other non-collectors bidding like 40 and 50 bucks on these other copies that he's also selling, thinking they got to steal. Like, I just bought a $250,000 card for 50 bucks. But this Jose Uribe card is worth what a nickel. So that's that's the mm. Jose Uribe scam, okay. And that's when I saw what was happening with the uh, the Bitcoin thing. I got nervous about that at first, but then um, as I was reading more, uh, I get most of my news on Twitter. <laughs> so as I was reading more about Holy. it, it's 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 totally non collectors, uh, but they're Bitcoin collectors, and they they're not. They're not interested in the in the uh, the value of other cards. They're only interested in the value of bitcoins. And so, to them, this is the Bitcoin rookie card. This is the first first time that this has been called out on a card that I'm aware of. And mm-hmm. as far as I'm concerned, they're aware of either. If there's another Bitcoin card ever produced, we're definitely not going to see this kind of action on it. So it's it's non collectors that are really affecting the price model of this one card. And it's just it's fascinating because again, it's giving positive exposure to our hobby which i think is great totally
0: 100 percent agree did you pull any cool cryptocurrency cards in your break or break well i
1: wasn't looking for it because at the time it wasn't a big deal <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I, that's so I true have, I, I pulled a bitcoin autograph and had no idea <laughs> <laughs>
0: it was stamped by the original coin oh wait don't,
2: well it'll be interesting to see what kind of momentum this has as you put it if there's another cryptocurrency card in the future, it's not going to have nearly this kind of impact unless maybe through a product like Ginter, Tops is wise enough to go and find, I don't know, a name that's associated with cryptocurrency and turn that into one of the non-sport autographs or something like that. We might see the same kind of attention. I wonder to what extent, and I have to imagine it is definitely having an impact in the eyes of Tops and their designers to what, to where they're thinking to themselves, okay, this is something that we couldn't possibly have, you know, dreamed up. What other aspects of things out there can we possibly throw into Ginter that might just grab a non-hobbyist and pull them in?
0: You know, it would be fine. Sure th- Go ahead. Sorry. F- find, I mean, if they could just find a couple players who'd be willing to say, yeah, we invested in Bitcoin and have a kind of like a Bitcoin collector subsets with autographs from those players. Be pretty fun,
1: <laughs> and I'm sure it took Tops by surprise. I'm sure they weren't expecting this kind of reaction to that one card because that's, I mean, that's printed just as uh, the I'm sure the print count is just as uh, high as yeah. uh, the rest of the non-sport oh, yeah. anyway. Totally. So it's, it's going to yeah. be a fairly common card. Yeah, yeah, I love it. I love,
0: I absolutely love that type of stuff when it pops up in the hobby, and especially for just random products. I mean, Ginter's not so much of a random product. I guess it's pretty well known, but.
1: And it's not, it's not the rally squirrel, you know,
0: <laughs> that's right. That was fun too. <laughs> that was pretty fun. Um, Aaron Rodgers extension came out yesterday. You're, I'm assuming you're excited about that.
1: Oh man. Well, okay. So I'm, uh, I'm of two, I'm of two uh, sides on this. So yes, the the man absolutely deserves whatever he gets paid. I, there's no question. He is uh he's a hall of famer first, first year hall of famer, no doubt. Um, Will he ever win another Super Bowl? Is the is is my fear here? I would have preferred he work out a contract that would have allowed for the Packers to bring in higher quality players, and in the back end, make the a Super Bowl championship his bonus to bump up his hmm. uh, contract. Again, he deserves every cent because I mean he's proven himself. Mm-hmm. I mean. But I just kind of I I I fear, and this this all comes with the 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 salary cap issue, is that now that he's getting all this money, where the Packers going to bring in to, to to I mean he can throw to anybody I mean he, we've seen that, but we need people that can catch, <laughs> you know, that team needs people that can defend him. You know he his O line has just been awful for 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 years now, and if he's always laying on his back, he, we're, the ball ain't going to be in the end zone. So. <clears throat> To me, I think the Packer fan base is going to be a lot like the Twin fan base, uh, the Twins fan base, in that uh, everyone complains about Joe Maurer's contract, which I believe is a steal. But he hasn't won a World Series. So they're complaining that he's making all this money and not winning a World Series for the Twins. But you can't put that all on one person, just like with Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is going to make all this money, but what if he doesn't win another Super Bowl? You can't put that on him. You have to put that it's a team sport. So who are the Packers going to be able to afford to help Aaron Rodgers get to that goal? That, that's 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 my two sides.
0: Hmm. That's fair. And you should know, and I've mentioned this before in our podcast, you did get a pretty sweet little receiver in Jamon Moore. He's a Missouri mm-hmm. guy. Watch him. Mm-hmm. I, I'm really excited. I've been trying to collect all his cards. First time I've ever collected a Packers player card. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. No, I get keep it, man. Keep
2: in mind, Chris, that he's a Mizzou homer, so yeah, he true. be the best Mizzou receiver ever, and we'll see what he does. Yeah, we'll, wow. keep, we'll keep
0: our, our the jury out on that one. Wow. Uh,
1: yeah, I'm 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 nervous for this year, so hopefully <laughs> things work out. Hopefully things
0: work out. Nice. Who's uh who's the underrated player for you in the in Major League Baseball right now? Kind of the guy that you people are not really s- supporting as much
1: as you thought they would. Uh. Well, because I'm a Twins guy, I would say uh, Eddie Rosario. Absolutely. I think he got snubbed uh, from the All-Star Game. He is uh, a, He's producing above and beyond expectation, and he's been more of an asset to a bad team. And I think that's really what it boils down to, is he's on a bad team in a small market. And that's, that's, that's a shame, because if you're going to have an All-Star Game, you need to have your absolute best players, but it's a popularity contest as well. And if you're not going to be in the limelight because your team is doing well in a small market, mm-hmm. then it's going to end up being, okay, well, who's the most popular guy in these larger markets? So I just really wish that uh, there was a little bit more parody as far as that goes, uh, that he could get more exposure because he, he's, he's an excellent player and I think he mm-hmm. deserves a lot more credit than he's been getting. And that's the same with Joe Maurer. Uh, again, it's like, uh, if, if you pull a casual baseball fan, uh, and ask them, uh, who, who is a, Who's one current twin? Maybe they might get Joe, uh, Joe Maurer out of their mouths, but probably no one else. And mm-hmm. I think he's another guy that's highly underrated. Totally agree. Yeah. Rosario
0: is having an amazing year. I mean, the dude's only what? 25, 26. Young guy. Yeah. 20 and plus he, homers he did really well last year too. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, are, are you much of a prospect guy? Do you pay attention to the minor league system for the twins?
1: Uh, not as not as much as maybe I should. Um, of course, Royce Lewis is the one that's oh, yeah. uh, you know everyone's watching Royce Lewis. But uh, I, I more kind of pay attention if they've made it back up to Triple A. Um, you know, unless you're a guy like uh, Miguel Sano and gets sent down to Single A, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> uh, then you know it's because we. What, what happened there, when... by the way? What, what what what's the deal with Sano? Well, I have a little theory, and um, I don't know how out in the the national scope this was, but uh, over Christmas, I think it was, there were these accusations uh, uh, made against him, and uh, I think the MLB uh, or the Players Union sided with Miguel Sano, but since those accusations, I, I feel like he changed, his personality really changed. I don't know if depression sank in, or if maybe he just got full of himself, one of the two. And his productivity at the plate like dipped crazy uh he gained a ton of weight um his skill in uh at third base uh just really tanked and i think the coaches kind of caught on to something and, and said you know what you're not yourself this year what's going on with you uh you need to correct this stuff and you know he's come back up and he's not himself 100 percent, but he's he's trimmed down he's a lot more agile at third base uh he just crushed a monster home run the other day it went uh like Almost 500 feet at Target Field, um, so he's getting his his swing back a little bit. But I really do think it's tied into those accusations that were laid out against him over Christmas last year. Just hmm. whatever happened uh, must have affected him. Just my theory. It's
0: interesting. interesting.
1: The, the dude is six four, two sixty. It's insane. Absolutely insane. He's a lineman. <laughs> Could you imagine how he would be presented as a professional wrestler, though? I mean, how they skew those numbers, like. Yeah, <laughs> for the Minnesota Twins, standing at six ten, weighing in at 350 pounds <laughs> from parts unknown.
0: That's right. Exactly. His nickname is Bo-Katan. Yeah. <laughs> it's a per- perfect wrestler name. Yeah. <laughs> nice. All right, man. So we're going to do a, a little bit of rapid fire with you. Um, sure. So quick questions, some random things for you, and then uh, we'll wrap this thing up. You
1: cool with that? So what you're saying is uh, no long-winded sentences this time. Okay, gotcha. Yeah,
0: you might have a couple. Just
1: some <laughs> random
2: stuff. Stream of consciousness. Just first reaction, stream gotcha. of consciousness.
1: Yeah. All right.
0: Favorite breakfast cereal? Reese's Puffs. Um, um, Netflix or Amazon Prime? Netflix. What's your favorite show on Netflix? Currently Glow. Okay. Favorite relief pitcher in baseball?
1: currently fernando rodney <laughs> he was uh, just with the organization so that's the guy i was being that's fair he's recognizable too i get that yeah what um uh, panini baseball what comes to mind when you hear that immaculate um uh, non-licensed <laughs> doing the best they can with what they have yeah yeah uh favorite drink at starbucks mocha
0: frappuccino chocolate
1: guy gotta have chocolate
0: yeah hot or cold i'm assuming hot oh.
1: Cold. Mostly hot, sometimes cold. Depends okay. on my mood.
0: Okay. <laughs> okay. It's it's cold up there, so it's probably going to get hot drinks more often than that. Um, favorite charity out of all of them? Big Brothers, Big Sisters. Okay. Uh, favorite Jean-Claude Van Damme movie? Who? <laughs> <Ooh.
2: laughs> <laughs> Good answer.
0: Which, which one did you say? who <laughs> oh no no you're an 80s 90s guy you can't
1: know no, i know i know i should say something like uh street fighter <laughs> there you go there you go is that is that your answer street fighter sure why not i would you know I, I i was never really a big jean-claude van Damme guy yeah the, the thing that sticks out to me most was his cameo in friends where he could crush a walnut with his buttocks
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh that's amazing um most desirable card not in your collection right
1: now. Ooh. Hmm. Uh Kirby Puckett cut signature. Probably from uh first year of Dynasty. Ooh because ha- Kirby Puckett in any product um is really rare and that has to do with his and we discovered this i won't get into the details but it has to do with his family estate not allowing his stuff being in uh, products that often interesting
0: i like that uh what what rookies looking forward to in in 2019 baseball
1: uh currently called up rookies uh, rookies, or potentially called up who just comes up hmm? Yeah, I want to see how Soto does. I want to okay. see if he's going to live up to this uh, cardboard hype because you know he gets uh, very hyped in the hobby. Let's see if he lives up to that hype. Absolutely.
0: Favorite app on your phone?
1: Favorite app or the app I use most? Um, <laughs> let's hear them both. Uh, app I use most is Twitter. Uh, yeah, let's just say that's my favorite app because <laughs> that's where I get my news. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you're picking anyone to break with you,
0: professional athlete, movie star who's breaking with you for a day
1: oh i gotta have aaron Rodgers. not just because i'm a packer fan and Rodgers fan the dude is actually a funny guy is he really
0: i heard is he's I? kind of dry is he not dry he seems... i would have
1: never thought he was funny i mean i guess oh, really? the
0: insurance commercials are pretty fun
1: yeah okay well. All right, and he's a dry guy, and I guess I just really like dry, uh, dry <laughs> yeah. personalities. I, I
0: could see you and Aaron, you and A Rod doing some stuff together.
1: Maybe maybe we can uh, we can work that out. I mean, I, why would he waste his time with a little guy like me now that he's getting that the, that cash? You know, <laughs> <laughs> hey man, you just need him
0: to buy in a couple of breaks,
1: and then it's, it's it's all from there.
0: <laughs> nice, good stuff, man. Really fun. We we've enjoyed talking to you today.
1: Um, Absolutely. We'll yeah, it's there. been a pleasure. So thanks for inviting me. And thanks for being flexible with your schedule too. Yeah. I appreciate that.
0: What, uh, what do you got coming up that folks need to know about? Any breaks in particular, anything that need to go sign up and, Enjoying yeah, them.
1: so we've got Bowman Chrome charity. Uh we st- only have 5 teams available uh, as of uh, right this very minute. Uh like I mentioned that did get pushed back, so we still have a little time for that. The charity on that one is Cadority Cards, which is something that's newer. We're uh, actually allowing buyers uh, or wax crackers as I call them uh to donate uh some cards to Kadority Cards. Uh and and they're their promotion is that they they pack up uh, packs of cards and uh, for just a shipping fee they send them off to kids. They don't charge them for the cards. They just you know, they just ask for a little shipping fee. So that's what's available. And we're going to be loading up National Treasures and we've got Chronicles coming up and some more in uh, football break. Yeah, lots of fun stuff happening.
0: That's all. You know, I didn't ask you this and I probably should have. I mean, obviously, folks can find you on CrackAndWax.com, but are, are, do you? F- are you promoting yourself more on any social network more than the other? I mean, you're a Twitter guy, but any Facebook, any other group forums that
1: you're using? Yeah, I've. Uh, it's mostly just been Twitter. Uh, I, I do have a Facebook uh, page. Um, I guess I don't really utilize that as, and I've, I've talked about that in the past with uh, other people that are in my uh, uh, group. But whether I should even bother on Facebook because Facebook, it's it's a popular resource for for breakers. Uh, uh, I've, I've been in those groups and it, it, it's really moving along but for hmm. whatever reason Crack and wax just has never really latched on with Facebook I'd, I'd like it to but it's really just been Twitter
0: hmm. it's
1: awesome I love it yeah I feel like everyone's
0: moving to Facebook I'm glad I'm glad you're not uh, falling into the peer pressure <laughs> <laughs> nice alright so crackandwax.com follow you at at Crack Wax on Twitter great stuff man have a good week You too. Thank you so much. Thanks, Thanks, Chris.